welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, the three pillars of success, human, financial, and intellectual capital. You use the big D word, distinctiveness, differentiation. Today's investor, today's customer, today's marketplace, today's prospective employee wants to feel like they're part of something a little different. Starting a business is highly difficult, and there are some big things you have to avoid, three big things you have to avoid and be really careful about. Andrew Sherman is joining us here in the studio. Andrew is a partner at Safeworth Shaw, and he has written 26 books around topics of innovation, leadership, corporate governance, and so forth. He literally has helped clients over the years raise billions of dollars of capital. He's helped them sell hundreds of businesses. I can't think of a better expert to come and talk with us about these sand traps that every entrepreneur must avoid. Andy, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. You know, there's so much to talk about, and of course, always not enough time, but I thought we'd organize around the three big foundations of getting a business started, human capital, financial capital, and intellectual capital. Let's talk about human capital first. Well, you just need to pick up any newspaper to see that culture and leadership and respect and empathy are so, so important for businesses of all sizes and all types of industries. I think today's entrepreneur needs to be sensitive to the fact that their passion, their clear sense of vision, the, the way that they interact with their most important assets, their people, is a critical building block in entrepreneurship and in business success. I don't think that people really appreciate that connecting with individuals and employees is not just a small business issue, it's a big business issue. It, it very much so. And if you look at the, the most successful entrepreneurs in our, in our history, they're people that put people ahead of themselves. One of the things that many people don't realize is entrepreneurship is ultimately a selfless act. The more you devote to your customers, to your employees, to your channel partners, the more dividends will come back to you. And yet many people think, you know, entrepreneurs have these gigantic egos and it's really the opposite in many cases. I think the most successful ones are self-aware and I agree with you 100% on that. Next one, financial capital or financial investments. Money, I suppose, exactly. makes the world money, go around. Money and other resources. Um, if you're going to start a business, unless you're independently wealthy or you're a serial entrepreneur and you've already got very deep pockets, and even ironically, many serial entrepreneurs will go out and raise third-party capital for hundreds of reasons. But to understand, first, walk a mile in the shoes of your target investor. Too many entrepreneurs go into meetings, you've seen this, Jonathan, in your career, and the pitch is all about them and not understanding that the ultimate yes or no decision is about the needs of the investor. Where are they in their portfolio? What kinds of returns do they need? What kinds of companies do they invest in? It's not about you. It's about them. And the more and more quickly you can meet their needs and their requirements, the more you're going to get a yes in terms of a business plan commitment and or other resources you may be seeking from a more strategic investor. My impression is that many entrepreneurs don't understand that when you're looking to raise money, the person you're asking for money is your customer. Exactly. And to treat them in the same way a value proposition to a customer must be clear, the value proposition to an investor must be clear. And by the way, in today's low interest rates, your audience may be a debt source. And a debt source needs to hear very different things typically than an equity source. Most debt sources 
particularly commercial banks, are primarily interested in getting paid back. They don't want to see the big hockey stick growth. That's going to make them nervous. That's why they became bankers in the first place. You know, it's the venture capitalists and certain types of angel investors that want to see a bit more of a hockey stick. I understand basically your financing source, what they're in it for. Exactly. Know your audience. I mean, know your audience applies across all three of these buckets, but particularly when you're meeting with investors. I've seen so many entrepreneurs frustrated by their lack of result or not getting the yes that they were looking for, and they didn't properly prepare for the meeting or the presentation. I have seen many entrepreneurs exhaust themselves in the pursuit of money. What are some of the strategies an entrepreneur can use to avoid having to go out and get outside capital? Uh, well, bootstrapping for one. I mean, there's a lot of resources available today that weren't available even a short three to five years ago. Uh, real leveling of the playing field through internet technology and software as a service and other tools that when you and I were younger, I mean, I still remember uh, Web 1.0, where building a website, you know, with Razorfish was a $7 million capital raise. And now you could have a website bet for free if you sign up for a year of hosting. And it's a pretty good one. So I think the cost of entry uh, has come down. The other thing that's really important, I would highly recommend your listeners to check out is the whole notion of lean, minimally viable product. The expectations of today's investor are a little different. You don't have to have the mousetrap all the way built, you've just got to have enough to show that there's a marketplace for this. Yeah, it, it is absolutely true that these days, it's so inexpensive often to build a business model prototype, it's crazy not to. Exactly, and that means less resources needed. So the third thing that I think we want to touch on is intellectual capital. How do you manage that? Because ultimately, the distinctiveness of your business is how you're going to protect your value. You use the big D word, distinctiveness, differentiation. Today's investor, today's customer, today's marketplace, today's prospective employee wants to feel like they're part of something a little different, not just another, you know, me too, or another, you know, piece of software or another coffee shop or whatever it may be. They want to be part of something where they can align with the mission and the values. And it's usually the intellectual capital of the company, not just patents, but the broader set of things that distinguish you in the marketplace that need to be properly protected and harvested. Um, one of the books I wrote, Harvesting Intangible Assets, talks about every company having a set of intangible assets and their ultimate success is driven by how well they manage, identify, and ultimately leverage those assets. So I've got about a minute left with you, Andy. I'm going to ask you a question that's always bothered me as a former lawyer and your current lawyer. Why do entrepreneurs hate lawyers so much? Oh, God. <laughs> Boy, blindsided. That's all right. I, I think, I think you're, you're on to something that maybe we could do a, a whole show about as a follow-up, and that is it, it's, it's oftentimes the lawyer's fault. You know, you, when you were practicing, looked at things through a different lens. Mm -hmm. I've tried to look at things through a different lens. But remember, we're taught in law school to issue spot. You know, so many lawyers, they read a document. All they want to do is issue spot. Here's the 19 problems. We got good grades in law school by issue spotting the most number of problems and hurdles and then talking about them in class Socratically. That's not business. That's not what entrepreneurs need. Entrepreneurs need answers. They need solutions. They need creativity and, and empathy and an understanding of their business. And frankly, if I'm dealing with a lawyer that doesn't have all of those things, I would probably hate them too. And so I think it's the law that needs to change, not the client. And we need to change our thinking in the way we deliver those services. And we have to deliver them today more efficiently, more pragmatically, and more strategically. So bottom line, 
entrepreneurs can find good lawyers if they find lawyers who understand their customers. They're going to have to look uh, more carefully, but hopefully we're, trans we're, we're transforming legal education in a way that within five to ten years, lawyers will know that they, they don't think like their clients, that they're going to become extinct and dinosaurs. Well, Andy, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. The time goes so fast, but I uh, really hope to be back soon. Andrew Sherman, don't forget to check him out. He's an expert on entrepreneurship and how lawyers can work more closely with entrepreneurs. Follow him on Twitter and check him out online. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on the show. Tweet us at, at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.